2: Hey, everybody, welcome to a very special edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and if the opening music for this week's show didn't tip you off, take a look at the calendar and you'll see that it's the last Friday of 2012. So that must mean that it's a look back at the worst of 2012. Yes, it is a tradition here on Soap Central Live for our last show to take a look back at the previous 12 months and talk about all of the things that we just didn't like. It is one final chance to get rid of all of those negative vibes and vent and rant about all the things that weren't so great in our favorite soaps before we turn over the calendar, start a new year, hopefully with fresh, great ideas of nothing but ideas and stories and characters that we're going to love. Last week you heard the SoapCentral.com Two Scoops columnists drop by with their picks for all the things that they loved. And as promised, they are here again this week to talk about the things that they didn't like. Don't forget that in addition to hearing your favorite Two Scoops columnists here this week and, of course, last week on Soap Central Live, you can head over to SoapCentral.com slash Two Scoops and read from them. On the week of the 24th and the 31st, there are the best and worst columns for all of your favorite soaps from all of the columnists that you'll hear today. It's a great way to get some additional information and reflect on the last 12 months in the world of soaps. So without further ado, it is out with the old, in with the new, and we're getting on with this week's worst of
3: 2012 show. Hi, everybody. This is Adam Michael James from Soap Central wanting to wish everybody out there a bold and beautiful 2013. This week, we are looking at the things that did not work over the
2: past 12 months in the world of soap. Since we're starting alphabetically, that means that the bold and the beautiful is the first up. And we are going to start with... Adam Michael James and his picks for things that he didn't like. And I understand, Mike, that two thousand twelve for you was the triangle from hell. It
3: just wouldn't
2: die. <laughs> <laughs> well, so for folks who may be listening and have no idea, I'm sure B and B fans know instantly, but for folks who maybe are fans of other soaps, what is this triangle that you speak of? It is Steffi,
3: Liam, and Hope. That doesn't oh sound so uh, evil. <laughs> well, it wasn't evil. It was just overdone. I mean, I don't know. I, maybe it's because I'm a little bit older, and I still kind of look at them like the the Kitty Patrol. You know, I refer to them that way a lot of my columns. But it was it was just that the the plot was so convoluted. It dominated months and months of airtime to the exclusion of everything else, mm-hmm. and it was just it was a mess. And it, it and they just it was the writing really it wasn't the performances it wasn't the performers they were fine it's just the way it was written I mean Liam just could not make up his mind and there was no reason for it if we if we kind of understood a psychological reason why he was having so much trouble you you could maybe feel for him but he just came off like a jerk so let me play devil's advocate here and
2: certainly from reading the emails that come through SoapCentral.com, dot com there were a lot of viewers who didn't like how much airtime this triangle from hell, your words, was receiving. But during the time when the Steffi-Liam-Hope triangle was really playing out almost full throttle, the ratings on B&B actually had an uptick. So how do you explain something that seems like so many people didn't like it, but
3: the ratings went up when it was playing out? Um, there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know, really. I mean, I know that a lot of the younger viewers, um, you know, probably they, they don't they didn't see B&B, you know, back in the day like we did. And, you know, they see that and they go, oh, this is good. You know, they they get involved in, in the in the characters because that's what they're used to. But I think the thing is, when we're used to, you know, the show having more balance between storylines and having other characters involved in just the way it used to be, it's, it's, it's easy to you know make judgments and not really fully be able to look at the show the way it is now and appreciate it.
2: Well, I'm sure that you'll have more to say about this in your Best of Worst of Two Scoops column, which is going to be posted coming up the week of December 31st. So it's just a couple of days from now. But let's go and talk about some more of the things that didn't work since we're trying to get rid of all of these negative energies and vibes to kick off a new year with uh, a positive upswing. There were some things that, while they provided good story, it didn't necessarily mean that they were good. And let's just focus on, obviously, Susan Flannery leaving the show is going to be a big hit for B&B. And then you couple that with the fact that Ron Moss has also left. So this is a big hit when two of the so-called
3: core four are gone. Yeah, I know. I mean, now we're down to the true two. Is you know, is that of, what we're it, calling it? Okay. <laughs> I'm copywriting it. I don't want any of y'all stealing it, okay? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, the, the thing that um, is such a – it makes my head hurt thinking about is that Susan Flannery's exit was so wonderful and Ron Moss's was so terrible. I mean, the wedding with Brooke was great, but then having Ridge ditch Brooke in Europe because she wrote some text messages to Deacon – made no sense i mean he forgave her for everything else and then to have ridge not show up for stephanie's celebration of life party or you know you know her death i mean this was one of the primary relationships on bold and beautiful ridge and stephanie it it drove it for years and to just have it not acknowledged i mean it was really disappointing i mean i would have thought that they could have made some sort of deal with ron moss to you know, make one appearance or send in a video like they had Stephanie's, you know, posthumous video, you know, a couple weeks ago, something. But that was just really disappointing. I think that the best thing they could have done would have been to have Ridge return a
2: split second too late.
3: Yeah, Uh, that would have been awesome.
2: To have him, even to show him outside of the hospital room or or somewhere. uh, I mean, I know that they, they didn't end up writing it that way, but to have him in the distance, seeing that he'd arrived maybe literally two minutes too late and then leaving so that the fans knew that he was there but that everyone else didn't. That would have been so powerful, so heartbreaking, and
3: I think would have been
2: better than what fans were given.
3: Absolutely. That would have been so cool. Not to mention it was set up that somewhere down the line when Ridge returns, no matter what form that would take, that Ridge would be dealing with that guilt, and that would drive Story even further.
2: But you know, I guess hindsight is twenty twenty, although I will admit that I had foresight. I wrote this down, and I have witnesses <laughs> long before it happened so let's let 's purge some more here. What are some other things that just
3: didn 't work for you in two thousand and twelve? I am not sure what to do with Caroline. Um, I like her 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 debut was very cool, very Hollywood, but it feels right now. Like, B&B doesn't know quite what to do with her. Throwing her suddenly into, you know, the whole thing with Bill and his secret about Deacon, it just feels forced. It's not It's not um, Lindsay Godfrey's fault. It's just, I don't know, it just seems like they brought her on and weren't really sure where they were going to place her, and now they're experimenting on our time.
2: And not to mention the fact that it was a big deal that she
3: had two mommies and... Poof, yeah, they're yeah, gone. of course, to be fair, you know, Joanna Johnson, you know, was into other projects and didn't have the time to be on the air. But yeah, I mean you got Crystal Chappelle on your team. You don't waste that.
2: You know, again, it certainly is no fault. People are, are entitled to go and pursue other ventures of their own, but you would think that there would be a fail safe. If that's even a remote possibility, maybe you have to bring in someone else. Or film some stuff in advance or something. I mean, for, for that and also for Ron Moss's exit, it really comes down to the oops, oh, I didn't know that was happening. You didn't know that Ron Moss was leaving and you didn't know that Joanna Johnson was going to have other projects. And the story as a result sort of suffered for that. And I, I think that that was really a big misstep for B&B in 2012.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, one of the things that's going to be in my column is just B&B's Lack of follow-through on so many things. Those two things included, but a lot of other things. They bring up a lot of really cool story points and then drop them. Or, or couples, like Taylor and Thorne breaking up off-screen. What was that about? Well, there was a lot of off-screen breaking up on The Bold and Beautiful i know it's just really, really
2: except for stephanie or Steffy, liam and hope yeah yeah that's always going to be your on screen they're going to go to the bathroom when we're going to see it uh, that might be for the web series that they do or something I, I don't know that that's ready for cbs but let's allow you before we do our last little bit here of chatting with you in 2012 would you like to make a fearless prediction of something that you think will happen in 2013
3: Ooh. I mean, I know there's a lot of things I'd like to see happen in 2013. We'll take that, too. You know, um, the biggest thing, you know, just being more balanced on the show, if we're going to see... You know what I'd really like to see? I would like to see the Leffy Lope triangle wrap up for good. And no matter who Liam ends up with, um, I don't care who, um, just that... They leave that alone and take the one person that doesn't, you know, that gets cut off on that triangle, and let that girl go in a new direction.
2: Or That's- we can have Steffi and Hope team up as a couple and kick Liam to the curb. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that would be cool too. I always thought it would be cool to have them, you know, sit Liam down, cuss him out, kick him to the curb, and then go shopping together. That actually oh, could work. Not very compelling, but we, we, Liam needs his butt kicked. That oh. would be. Oh, maybe that'll happen in 2013. And
2: something else that hopefully will happen in 2013 will be your return to the show. And hopefully we don't have to wait until the end of the year when we do our best and worst that we'll have you here somewhere in between as a guest on Soap Central Live. I would absolutely love that. Well, thank you, Mike, for all that you've done in 2012 and in advance for everything that you're going to do next year.
3: (laughs) Thank you for that. And thank you for including me in Soap Central.
4: Hi, everybody. Allison Waldman here, your Bold and Beautiful tooth scooper. I want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, and a magnificent New Year. Let's look forward to 2013 being a great year for the Bold and Beautiful and for all our soap fans out there. And make sure you keep on tuning in to soapcentral.com.
2: 2012 was, of course, the 25th anniversary of The Bold and the Beautiful, and every soap fan knows that not everything is perfect. And 2012, like those previous 25 years, had some things that didn't work. We're going to talk now with Allison J. Waldman about things that didn't quite measure up on B&B in 2012. Allison was, uh, would you say that 2012 had more or less hits Than, or misses, I should say, than previous years.
4: I wouldn't call them misses. You know what I would call it? I say it was imbalanced. We had a year that was sort of out of whack. There was such an emphasis on the Steffi Liam Hope triangle that for weeks and weeks and weeks, the show just felt like, uh, you know, it was like monolithic on that one storyline. And other storylines fell by the wayside. And that was something that I think Brad kind of drop the ball on uh, shows have to have balance I realize he only has a half an hour to tell the story but uh, he's got a week he's got five shows and they can't all be Hope and Steffi and Liam talking about who loves who and who wants more and thanks for the memory and let's go here and I got a tattoo but I didn't mean to get a tattoo it got a little bit crazy after a while and I think it's, it strained the credibility of the characters
2: We talked last week in our Best Of shows that one of the best trends of 2012 was bringing back characters that fans really cared about, the legacy characters, as they call them. The Bold and the Beautiful hasn't seemed to really bring anyone back from the past, unless you count the uh, appearance by Sally Spectra during the Goodbye to Stephanie, but that wasn't necessarily a hit with a lot of fans either.
4: No, not when you consider the fact that without... Even a goodbye scene, the Maronis were, you know, excised off the show. You said, I mean, Nick had a very close relationship with Stephanie. Jackie had a very close relationship with Eric. They both should have been prominently featured in Stephanie's goodbye. Uh, Jackie to comfort Eric and Nick to, you know, have a drink at at Chuck's place with uh, Stephanie before she passed away. They're not being there. there was a big gap. And the fact that Maroney uh, inherited, Jackie M inherited Spectra, it's just kind of like, well, wait a minute, if we're going to go back and honor Sally Spectra, what about Jackie M? That to me, and I'm sure other fans, was like a big oversight.
2: Well, we're talking about folks who were not there. Another character that wasn't there for Stephanie's goodbye was Ridge. Ron Moss left the show, and for whatever reason they didn't bring him back for the farewell scenes. And for me, as someone who maybe B&B isn't their, their top soap or the one that got them hooked, even for me, that was a huge, huge misstep.
4: Yeah, I still can't uh, fathom that one. Uh, I've written about it in a couple of my Two Scoops column because I kept saying, you know, I can't believe that they're not going to bring him back. I can't believe that they couldn't have done a recast, uh, even a temporary recast, because it's, it was just too big of a gap, too big of a of a, a lapse in judgment on Brad Bell's part, because there's no way that Ridge would have not returned for his mother's goodbye. I mean, he he's more of a mama's boy than any character on that show, and Stephanie, that's her favorite child. And I, it wasn't enough that Stephanie said, oh, I told him not to come. No, 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 no. He's a man... He's got a mind of his own. He would have come anyway. So I thought that was a a case of, you know, writing gone awry. And uh, even the breakup of Ridge and Brooke over her having text messaged with Deacon was the flimsiest of excuses when you consider other things that have broken up Ridge and Brooke in the past. For him to basically walk out on their honeymoon because she was text messaging with Hope's father was... Just really badly done. Badly done.
2: Last year we had wild berries and sex berries and mystery oh. islands that we talked about. Were there any? <laughs> were there any sort of berry island storylines in were, 2012? There
4: were two. There okay. Two. <laughs> well, one. One I alluded to in my my other segment, which was the magic iPad. Uh, you know, you had Hope and uh, Liam having this magnificent wedding in Italy. They leave the iPad in the hotel room. Liam returns to the hotel room thinking that that he's been stood up for the wedding, that Hope left him at the altar, and Steffi comes in there to comfort him, and they magically start to fool around on the bed because she's comforting him and making, making them all feel better, and the magic iPad starts filming the whole thing. Nobody knows who started the button, but the video existed and that video caused all kinds of mayhem. The magic eye pit. The other thing was the mystery MRI from Cabo. I mean, you had Steffi fall off an ATV. You had you had Bill bribing a lab technician or a doctor, I don't even remember who. Actually I think it was A. Martinez, to uh to take a a MRI of a you know of a of a brain that's suffering from like some kind of a subdural hematoma, and say that it was Steffi's brain, and that if she was at all upset by anything, she might drop dead. And of course, it was all a lie. It was just a way of Bill to connive to keep Steffi and Liam together a little bit longer. So you had these again. These are just sort of these ridiculous little plot points that just make you go, what? That's what happened this year.
2: (laughs) Well, we are out of time for this segment, but I want to give you one. Oh, no, I want to
4: talk some more.
2: (laughs) Well, you'll be back for some Y&R stuff, but let me allow you to pick one thing that you would like to see happen in 2013 on The Bold and the Beautiful that will make it a good year.
4: All right, they've got got to recast uh, Bridge. They've got to bring Ridge back. Uh, they have to address the situation between Bill and Brooke, and they have to uh, figure out if Ridge and Brooke are Destiny's darlings or if he's going back to Taylor. This show desperately, not, they can't, obviously can't bring Stephanie back, but they have to bring Ridge back.
2: Well, there's three for the price of one, and hopefully you uh, haven't worn out your thought process because we're going to need to talk to you in just a little bit about the worst of the young and the restless. Okay.
0: Hey, everybody. This is Larissa from Days 2 Scoops, and I want to wish you all a very happy holidays and a wonderful new year.
1: Hey, everybody. This is Tony from Days 2 Scoops. Wishing everyone a very happy holiday season and a very great 2013. I hope everybody celebrates hard and we get to look forward to scooping together next year. And thanks for all your kind feedback in 2012.
2: As you've been hearing during this show, not everything that's worked on the soaps is actually something that works. There are moments that we would like to forget, and as part of our year-end show here on Soap Central Live, we're burning the sage, we're smudging out all of the things that we didn't like, and there are some things on Days of Our Lives that didn't quite work over the past 12 months. I am joined by Tony and Larissa, our Two Scoops columnists for Days of Our Lives, and I'm guessing, guys, that since 2007, you've always somehow found something to say about what you didn't like on the show. Is 2012 any different, Tony?
1: I mean, a little bit. I mean, once in a while we have an opinion about one or two things. So it was hard that we messed up a, a list of categories. And, yeah, we have a few uh,
2: little nitpicks,
1: We can say it the nice way, for our fellow Days fans to hear and us uh, a vetch about.
2: Well, Larissa, let's start off completely shallowly and start off with something that a lot of people are are really wanting to hear you discuss because it changes the trajectory of time-space continuum, and that would be the worst dressed. (laughs) Do you have any characters that perhaps (laughs) need a wardrobe makeover as we move into 2013?
0: We do. We do. Um, And I will just say that I think that the gentlemen on Days of Our Lives have, have really set the bar for being the best dressed this year. So that means that if you have the gentleman on one side, it seems to be that the ladies are the ones that needed a little bit of help. Um, for me, my worst dressed, which is just a punch in the gut for me to do this, because if you see any pictures of this woman on the red carpet or if you catch her on our other show that starts in a couple days here on NBC, um, it's just baffling my mind what they're doing to her, and that is Allison Sweeney. So they gave Sammy this job, which is fantastic, and Sammy goes to work, but sometimes Sammy looks more like a working girl than a girl that 's going to work if you get my dress, <laughs> and I just don 't know what they are doing to that gorgeous woman putting her in these skin tight kind of cocktail looking dresses that was just oh, just not what not what my Sammy should ha- have you to just
2: can 't go without talking about working girls last year we had hookers this year we have hookers, so it sounds to me, dare I say. You're saying that Sammy is the biggest loser when it comes to fashion.
0: Well played, Dan. <laughs> well played. They don't keep I me bow here bow. for
2: my good looks, as uh, Judge Judy says. <laughs> He's more than just a pretty face. For, for uh, well, if you're talking about someone who should be dressed much better than they are, you also have to look at characters that probably should be given more in the way of good storyline than they are. Tony, are there any characters or actors, whichever you would prefer, that over the past 12 months have just been painfully underused?
1: Oh, this looks really long, and it was until we narrowed it down. Um, ironically, the person I picked for most underutilized character, uh, she is no longer on the show. That's uh, Billy Reed, uh, Lisa Rinna. Um, but just she came back, and that's about all. She kind of just kind of popped out of dark alleyways and was like, "Hey, what's going on, guys?" And then she would just disappear for a couple weeks. And she had like so much, like you know, so much potential. There was these like great CIA storylines she was getting involved with, and you know, trying to take down the Dimeras. And then it just became, like I said, it was like I referenced her in my column several times as like the Where's Waldo of Salem, because she would just like pop up, "Hey, guys," and then creepily just kind of shuffle off into the darkness. It was it was so bizarre. And it's the thing to, like, you know, such a legacy character as Billy, being on screen with her mother, Kate, you know, brother Austin, Lucas, like, she just had nothing to do. And you're just like, yeah, that doesn't quite make sense.
2: You're absolutely right. I mean, when they brought Lisa Renna back, it was billed as Day's version of James Franco, which happened on General Hospital. It was going to be a big name who'd moved on and everybody knew and big storyline. And Larissa, it just, it never materialized. It didn't, and I
0: felt really bad, because you're right, it did generate a lot of good publicity for the show. And Lisa Rinna, I mean, bless her heart, she kind of is a good card-carrying member of the soap family, and she does a Mm -hmm. lot of, you know, good work for the whole genre. And I think that it's kind of... A little bit embarrassing on Dave's part to to bring her back and bring Billy back and then kind of shuffle her off, you know, to the wayside. So I think it's a good job that, that Tony
1: picked her. In Lisa's defense, too, she came in with such exuberance and she like, "Hey guys, I'm here. Let's let's work." And then it was just kind of like, "All right, we'll see you in a couple months."
2: Well, we are sort of talking now, I guess, in in a roundabout way of something that would be considered a worst return. Last week, if you listen to Soap Central Live, you'll know that Larissa picked the return of Eric Brady as her best return of two thousand twelve. And it looks like this week we're gonna be talking about Eric Brady for all the wrong reasons because Tony, this comes in as your worst return of two thousand twelve, really?
1: I did. Ew. Yeah. I know there was actually like martini thrown in faces and a cat fight into a swimming pool for Larissa and I when we when I picked this. It was it was not pretty. So anybody who thinks we always go wrong, they just yeah, they need to YouTube this footage. <laughs> um, but yeah I just you know of course nothing against uh, watching Greg Ron on our screens every day because that's never a bad thing but just the character coming back as a priest is just kind of head scratching and get the drama factor of it but it's just one of those things where you're just like it's so predictable what's going to happen eventually of the whole church versus a woman storyline and it just feels like they kind of took an easy way out it's like okay there's enough drama with just by saying the name Nicole Walker that <laughs> like they could fill the whole you know Olympic-sized swimming pool with drama because of Nicole, so they didn't really have to add the priest thing in. And just you know, nothing against priests, I you know very fond of them, great dressers. But yeah, just you know, it just kind of it just came uh, came across really flat to me. And then The repeated dialogue of just like, oh my God, Eric's a saint, Eric's a saint. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way.
2: Larissa, it sounds like Tony's nervous about this pick, that he's afraid you're going to you know, jump through and, and pummel him. <laughs> what can you say to, yeah. to convince him that he's totally wrong?
0: Um, well, here's my whole argument for this, is that Tony is absolutely right in the fact that you can kind of see the writing on the wall, where this storyline should go. The thing is that this is the first time in a long time for me that I've actually been pumped about where it's going. Like, there's a lot of storylines that you're like, oh my gosh, okay, now we know what's going to happen. You have to sit through months and months of months of something that you already know is going to happen, that you know you don't want to happen, but you have to sit through months of it happening so it can get over with. With this, it's totally different, because I'm like, oh boy, he's going to be back with Nicole. And so I can, I'll sit through. I am a little concerned about the whole, like, rooting for a priest not to be a priest thing. I don't know how many, that that probably doesn't do well for, you know, the whole not damnation of my soul. However, aside from that, I'm totally for it.
2: Well, there's another way to surely get you a damnation uh, from fans because there's nothing more heated than when it comes to picking best and worst couples. So, Larissa, I'm going to give you the opportunity to either score some points with fans or completely have them chasing after you with pitchforks by talking about your selection for worst couple of 2012. Hit me with it.
0: All right. Well, I think actually for this one, I'm okay, because I think I'll actually be fighting for a pitchfork from some other people. But my worst couple was Brady and Madison. And last year, they were forced together with not really any reason why. But this year, it just got even worse. We found out that she was married and just, whoopsie, didn't have the time to tell him. And then when he forgave her, she had the nerve to get angry with him when he tried to tell her that a known bad guy could possibly be drugging him. So Brady and Madison—they were just—it was just a waste of two very good actors and a a just
1: horrific storyline.
2: Tony, what about your picks? Um, mine's a
1: little more uh, recent. Um, it's the whole Nick and Gabby relationship, mm-hmm. and and the sad part is, like when it first started, I was like, okay, all right, this is working for me because it started out was just, just you know, these two kind of uh, black sheep kind of finding their way together and they've both done some pretty awful things. They're trying to redeem themselves. And then like the next day they were like, oh, I love you. And then it was like they're just in this like magical relationship all of a sudden. And so the pace of it just pace just completely destroyed the relationship. And even like you know, them sleeping together that didn't even bother me as much as the whole I love you, you know, the constant I love you's. And it just kind of feels, you know, it kind of feels very forced at this point. And just too, like the fact that Nick is a whole lot older than Gabby, and that's never been addressed. And he says kind of stuff like, oh, baby, I wish I would have known you before when I was in Salem, which is like four years ago, which (laughs) Gabby just graduated high school last year. You can do the math. She would have been 14. (laughs) So he would have been in jail for a completely different reason had he met his beloved back then. So there's just a lot of little creepy things that just aren't adding up for me, and that's kind of why they got that award.
2: There are so many best of and worst of, and as I mentioned, you guys have been doing this since 2007. Larissa, what if folks want to find out what you were saying was hot, not from years past? What can they do? Can they find these columns anywhere?
0: They can. Um, there's actually a spot on soapcentral.com that has them all listed, and if you go to our blogs um, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be posting kind of a recap of what we picked and you can kind of see how characters trend or or not you can look back and see especially with mine some of my worst picks from a few years ago will be ones that i'm actually championing now so it's kind of fun to see how opinions can change as different storylines happen and move characters around you they're posted on our blogs and on the site as well in the fabulous uh two scoop
2: archives tony is there something moving forward as we I can't believe it. It's going to be 2013 before you know it. Is there something that you would really like to see play out in the new year that would make Days of Our Lives uh, hit a home run?
1: You know, I'd like to see a few more uh, characters return, especially in the uh, younger leading lady type category. Um, Right now we're just a little bit, you know, we kind of have a lot of guys fighting over not a lot of girls. And Sammy, Nicole, Abigail, they can't really balance it all. So I think, you know, I would love to see... And this is a pipe dream, but I would love to see Rachel Melvin come back as Chelsea Brady.
2: I feel like you said that last year, too. I did. I do every year until she comes back. <laughs> like, one of these days, she's going to either come back or
1: get a restraining order. So, either way, I'm scared.
2: <laughs> and Larissa, oh, gosh. But no restraining orders for you, Larissa, hopefully. I have a question. Since you mentioned that there are some things that you've panned before and are now championing, of all of your picks from this year in the best of and worst of – Is there any one selection that you think you may be changing your mind about in the near future?
5: Ooh,
0: that I may be changing my mind about in the near future. I don't know. I think that kind of, not directly answer your question, but on the same lines, my pick that I have for best couple this year was one that completely floored me. Like, I would never have thought that I would ever in the history of the world pick Either of these two characters and the fact that, you know, I was like, oh, wow. I mean, when I think back about what couple I legitimately enjoyed, that was the one that I was shocked with. So I'm sure, you know, when we do this next year, I'll look back and be like, oh, my God, I picked (laughs) Sammy for worst dress. What was I thinking? But, nope, I think my one for best couple this year is the one that really shocked me. But I think people will be surprised to read that I picked them, too.
2: And if you want to know who was picked for best couple, that may surprise you. The Golden Donuts, that's the best of Days of Our Lives 2012, are actually posted on SoapCentral.com right now. You can head over there after the show is over to the Days of Our Lives section and read the best of. And then coming up on the 31st, in just a couple of days, you'll be able to read all of the worst of 2012 from Days of Our Lives. It's the Alex North Memorial Awards. You'll be able to find out why they're called that and a lot more. So... Tony, Larissa, I have to thank you for dropping by over these past two weeks to talk about the best and the worst. I hope that we are together for many more years to talk about the things that we liked and, of course, to nudge and rib and and joke about the things that we didn't like.
0: It's a plan. I like it.
2: Yes, and thank
1: you for having us, (laughs)
2: Tim. Well, Tony, as long as there's no restraining order issued, we'll have you here again next year as well.
1: And I I, I might just have to put on a fake nose and a trench coat and a hat. It works for everybody on Spokes. I can do it, too. You know,
0: maybe his evil twin could show up one year and give pics. If, you know, the real Tony has a restraining order, you know, everybody has a twin that can come and do their dirty work while they're away.
2: He even has a clever name. It'll be Phony.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Hi, this is Jennifer Biller from General Hospital Two Scoops. I'd like to wish you all the best in the new year. Happy New Year, Scoopers!
5: Hi, everybody. This is Liz Masters. I'm wishing you a very happy New Year's, and I hope everything is much better than it was last year. <laughs> Let's redo that one. <laughs>
2: As hard as it may be to believe, there were some things on General Hospital that didn't work in 2012. You've probably been reading about some of them in the Two Scoops column posted this week on SoapCentral.com by Jennifer Biller. She lists her best and worst picks. She was here last week to talk about the best, and as promised, she's back to talk about the worst. Jennifer, welcome back to our Bah Humbug show. <laughs>
6: Thanks, Dan. I'm ready to talk about what stinks, stank,
2: and stunk. Well, this is the whole point of this is so that we can sort of out with the old, burn off all that negative energy and the storylines that we didn't like and hope that they'll be completely gone as we roll around to 2013. So I'm going to let you purge and talk about all of the things you didn't like. And to show that I'm a good guy, I'm going to even let you pick where we start. So what's your first thing on the stunk list?
6: Okay, my first thing is Franco is Jason's evil twin, who may or may not have raped Sam and fathered her child. I absolutely detested this storyline. It was disturbing on every level, and that's not why I watch soaps. I want to be entertained. Uh, Jason was horrible to Sam, not supportive at all for weeks. Plus, she started lying to him. It fractured their relationship. But the thing that was most frustrating, I think, was how they dealt with the rape part of the story, We didn't see Sam get any kind of counseling or deal with the aftermath. It was like that part was completely ignored, and she moved on to being more concerned about the paternity of her baby. So the thing was a miss on every level for me.
2: Let me sort of delve into that further, and this will go back past 2012, but did Franco as a character ever really mesh properly into the canvas, in your opinion?
6: No, I think it was, you know, it was a casting coup, obviously, to get someone uh, of his caliber, but I just don't think uh, the storyline ever worked on any level.
2: Well, While we're talking about storylines that didn't work, are there any other storylines that just didn't make the grade for you?
6: Yes. Uh, this whole Lady in White, Cassandra, raised as a pawn by Helena to destroy Luke's son, uh, I don't think anyone was mourning when she got her toe tag. I think people were the thing was confusing. She lurked around Windermere for weeks, and uh, it was just it seemed like a waste of a story arc, in my opinion. I did not like that storyline at all.
2: It felt like it could have been better. It felt like before we knew who it was, people were wondering, hey, could Laura return? Uh, could it be someone else? It seemed like there was so much potential, correct me if I'm wrong, but then it just sort of, was revealed and we're like, oh, okay, great. That's not what we expected. And expectations, you know, the balloon was deflated.
6: It was. It just sort of fizzled out. And I'm not sure what happened there. And there have been several. I'm going to talk. Um, I do talk about this in my column. There have been several story arcs like that where you think uh, you and Keenan, especially. I thought when he first came on, I was really excited. He had a lot of potential. And then, as it turns out, he's a killer, and things get crazy. And It seems like they they just sort of fizzle out things that have potential, or, you know, I think we possibly could have liked that character, but, you know, it just, the writing was odd, and the story really never got momentum, and it just, you know, it was like a, sort of like Groundhog Day, every day, the same day of watching her (laughs) look around Windermere in that white dress.
2: I mean, I I guess they got their money's worth on the dress. It certainly saw enough (laughs) screen time.
6: (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right.
2: So what about other characters? Were there some other characters that you just weren't rooting for in 2012? Uh, yes.
6: Oh, boy, I can't even talk about this, but here we go. I mean, being all grinchy. Uh I think the Christina and Trey uh, characters and the whole mob from reality show storyline was a complete bust. Um, for some reason, that couple just did not work for me. I don't think I didn't see any chemistry, and I know that's a personal thing, but I think fans really were trying still to accept the new Christina recast and throwing her into a romance with another character that we don't care about or know anything about. It, it just did not mesh. Um, it, I can see where this mob reality show may have seemed like a good idea on paper. you know, a lot of fun to really push Funny's buttons and Alexis's buttons, but it just didn't work. And I'm not sure why. I just I feel like Christina and Trey, both of those characters are not um, they're not catching on with fans.
2: Well, as I'm sure you heard Liz say one of her big issues was just the way that Christina was reintroduced. She was an angry young woman because she was sent to Yale and you know, heaven forbid <laughs> that you're 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 sent to college by your parents and they're paying for it and I mean is that part of it? Did they just really not set this character up for success?
6: Yes, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, she was always a little bit of a troublemaker, which is why we liked her. she had you know the original Christina had the you know shades of early Brenda Barrett, you know she was a little ornery and a little reckless, and uh, you know she was trying to date Johnny to make her dad upset, you know these kinds of things things that were endearing though it was never sort of this she's angry all the time and to the point where it polarizes viewers that you don't even want to watch her um and I think that's what happened with her return. It just was not the writing was not good for that character,
2: well, we know that Trey is out. Do you think that the show is going to? put Christina off canvas and recast the role? Do you think that the character will be written off? What are your thoughts?
6: You know, I don't know. I wouldn't mind a recast, and and not because I don't think the the young lady's a good actress. I just think, you know, once you have that sort of image of she's angry in your mind, it's hard to change that. Um, and I think the you know, Lexi Ainsworth was so talented in that role, and we watched her grow, and I think that's been a hard thing to get past. I don't, not every character is, is um, I think, in the spot for a recast and I think that one maybe we needed some more time or I'm not sure what, but I actually if they're going to recast, I wouldn't mind seeing Christina possibly with Johnny. Um, that would really give him something to do because he's sort of been all over the map this <laughs> this past few months. So plus it would irk sunny, which is always a good thing for me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a, a little irking goes a long way. Right. Well apparently there's been some irking that's gone on twelve months. Let me give you one last chance. Is there anything else that you want to vent about to get it out of your system as we move into the new year?
6: Wow, no. I, actually, I think Dan, I'm not going to I'm not going to vent because I as a GH fan am pretty happy and even trying to find worse things. It's like trying to, you know, pick the worst chocolate. I think we've had a really good year at GH and I am not complaining. So, um, I'm just really happy with most of the storylines, and I think the ones that didn't work are pretty much um, the same for everyone. They're sticking out like a sore thumb. So.
2: Wait, wait, what is this about there's a worst chocolate?
5: <laughs> right. See?
2: Bite your tongue. <laughs>
5: uh,
2: we'll have to talk about that uh, a, a- course after the show and talk about that's a whole other show it is well we'll do that in 2013 we'll call it the chocolate show Uh, there you go anything else i know that last week you talked about some of the things that you wanted to see happen in 2013 any predictions for the year ahead
6: okay i'm going to give one from just a five minute scene i think aj and liz are going to get involved and i think it's going to be really good Uh, i really love their chemistry i mean they were uh, that scene was very um short but i think The potential. uh, I really saw some sparks there, and her history with Jason, I think, is going to come into play. Uh, I would really love to see uh, a relationship start there.
2: What I would like to see is you return to Soap Central Live at some point in the near future that doesn't involve a best and worst of, so we'll keep our fingers crossed for that, but... If worst comes to worst, and it usually does, at least at the last week of the year, uh, you'll be back to talk about GH and how it did in 2013 coming up next year.
6: Yes. Thanks, Dan. I've had a good time.
2: Thanks, Jennifer. Well, that's what Jennifer had to say about 2012 on General Hospital and the things that didn't work. As you heard last week, Liz Masters said that she had plenty to talk about, about the things that didn't work, and we're going to put her to the test right now. Liz, welcome back to Soap Central Live.
5: Hi, thank you for having me. Glad to be back.
2: So you said that there are a lot of things in 2012 that didn't work. Uh, I've read your column. Of course, everyone should have read it by now. It's currently posted on SoapCentral.com. But let's go over some of the things that you were less than thrilled with. And one of them to me is really not a surprise because I do read what folks write on the Internet and Twitter and our SoapCentral.com message boards But you weren't really particularly thrilled with the decision to recast Christina. What's your reason for that?
5: Oh, oh. you know, I don't like to engage in actor bashing, so I'm not going to do that. But I will say that there are some people who I believe are cut out for soap operas and some people who are not. It takes a really, really special kind of person to do soap operas because you have to run the gamut of emotions sometimes in the same scene i mean you know you walk in the door and you're happy and by the end of the scene you know your whole family has blown up or something like that and you're devastated and you know you've got an alternate personality or something so you have to run the gamut and i just i'm sorry i just don't think miss morgan has what it takes to be a soap opera star but doesn't mean i don't think she's a beautiful woman or she has talent it just she's not fit for soap operas and not everybody is
2: well it didn't help either i'm sure that you didn't really care for the storyline that she was involved in that pseudo reality mob princess craziness
5: well you know the thing is, is usually when they bring teenagers on and i don't know why they do this i guess they you know want to add conflict right away teenagers are always angry when they first appear on the soap (laughs) <laughs> it's like, well, it's not that bad, people. You've got a job, okay? <laughs> it's great to be honest. So, The introduction of her coming back from Yale, she was angry because her parents got her into Yale. And I'm thinking, you know, really? That's what you're upset about. Your parents got you into Yale, and they pulled some strings. You know, I, I, I just think that if she's going to come back angry, be angry about Ethan. Be angry about something that, you know, Yale is not it. That's all I'm going to say. Yale yeah was not uh, a reason to be angry. And then they did the reality show. And Ma Princess, and I know that they were kind of trying to capitalize on the reality shows of the, you know, that are really popular, which personally I think are fading out. Um, but, you know, and really there was not much going on with Ma Princess other than you would see Christina periodically stand in the room and yell and berate her parents. There was no storyline really going on with the Ma princess show itself so why would i be interested in the show to begin with so i think it was just a miss all the way around the the, the casting the storyline everything
2: another thing that was a miss is the fact that we're missing a very prominent character now as we move into 2013 of course i'm talking about jason morgan and steve burton's decision to leave general hospital to spend some time with his family And while we respect the fact that he wants to step away and spend time with his family, I mean, who doesn't want more time with their loved ones? The loss of Jason is going to be a big hole, and that's something that also made it into your worst of 2012. It
5: did. And, you know, and I don't blame the writers for this, and I don't blame Steve Burton for this. This was like, you know, the perfect storm, if you will. Um, it was a series of things that made the whole breakup of Jason and Sam. I mean, they, their honeymoon lasted like thirty minutes. Um, okay, on our screens, thirty minutes, but you know, in reality, three days. And then Franco was inserted into the storyline, and and all that happened. And nobody didn't. Nobody was sure if she was raped or not. Then she. Then Sam found out she was pregnant, and I realized that they wanted to give this couple, you know. Um, or the fans for this couple, something to root for. But it just kind of was like a runaway train, and it just got worse and worse. And then I think they were going to try and bring it back home, <laughs> but then Steve Burton announced that he was leaving, and then it just became a mad scramble, and it, it was just slapped together really quickly. And I feel so bad for the Jasmine fans because I think they really kind of deserved a better payoff than what they got. They got what, one episode where, you know, Jason and Sam went home. They sat on the bed with the baby and Bernie called. And 20 minutes later, Jason is at the door and he's gone and out of their life. And he never even found out that that, that the baby was his. So I I think that was kind of, you know, they were short-changed, the Jasmine fans. So I felt bad for them. And I think it was a bad storyline. It didn't work out. It didn't start out well. It didn't, Go well, and it didn't
2: end well. Well, then let's give you the opportunity to talk about something that maybe will work. We'll give you one chance to predict or offer what you'd like to see happen on General Hospital in 2013. Get out your crystal ball, because here it comes.
5: <laughs> Liz is going to have
4: another baby.
2: <laughs> is that what you think?
5: Well, no, but I do think that the you know, <laughs> you know the spell is over. I think she's going to have dun, 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 sex, <laughs> and I think it's going to be with AJ. I, I kind of would like to see that. I think that they're kind of hot. And if you look at the message boards, if you look at the social media outlets, everybody's kind of wanting to see a Liz and the AJ hookup because they're both a little bit of an out. Well, okay, they're very much outcasts. Um, the circle of friends that Jason had, none of them liked them. So I think they kind of be hot together, and um, I hope she doesn't have another baby. I was just really joking about that. (laughs) I would like her to go, like, one year without having a baby, but I think that's up to her and her husband, too, because I think that's how they write it in. She's so tiny that when she gets pregnant, it looks like she swallows a big bowling ball, (laughs) and they really have to kind of write it in, or it's just like, what happened to this?
2: Well, you've put that out there into the universe, so who knows what's going to happen, but something else I'd like to put out into the universe is certainly my thanks for all of your contributions, not only to Soap Central Live, but of course to the Two Scoops columns on soapcentral.com. So Liz, thank you, and we will talk to you again next year. Can you believe it?
1: I
5: know, I know. I'm so excited. 2013 is going to be great, and for soap operas especially. I have a good feeling something big is going to happen.
4: Hi, this is Allison Waldman, the two-scoop columnist for The Young and the Restless. And I'd like to wish everybody a uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holiday, and a wonderful 2013 for everybody and all our soap fans out there. So keep watching and keep tuning in to soapcentral.com.
3: 2012
2: was a year of transition for The Young and the Restless. The show, which has been number one in the ratings since, well, seemingly the dawn of time, made some behind-the-scenes changes to address sort of a downward spiral that their ratings have undergone in recent years. We're going to talk about some of the things that may have led to those changes now with Allison. She's back to talk about YNR. Allison, Y&R, in large, 2012. Was it a good year or a bad year? I'd
4: say it was a
2: pretty good year. Okay. Even so, with the transitions. Okay, so if there was a good year, what were some of the things then that weren't working, you think, that really needed them to make changes behind the scenes?
4: Okay, the really, the really big uh, black eye for Young and the Restless was uh, the Phyllis storyline. Story the fact that Phyllis finally came to justice or finally came to court to face uh, Chris and Paul to address the fact that she had uh, tried to kill them with a with a car, she had covered up the crime. She had gotten away with it for nineteen years, and literally in one day in court, the whole case was thrown out, and she walked away scot free. And not only was she did she get away with attempted murder, and also the fact that she inflicted bodily harm on these guys, uh, but uh, they painted. Christine as the bad guy, like she was evil for demanding that Phyllis, you know, stand up and face, face them and, and deal with what she had done all those years ago. So that to me was an insult to the viewers, the fact that Phyllis literally, you know, got away with it and uh, nobody cared.
2: Normally, it's a good thing when soaps bring in really, really loved actors from other soaps. It's usually good for the ratings. It brings in new viewers, particularly from soaps that may have been canceled. The Young and the Restless brought in a lot of characters from other soaps in 2012. And as the year ended, hardly any of them are still around. Yeah. What do you think were some of the least successful of those casting decisions?
4: Well, the, the biggest uh, mistake, I think, uh, well, actually there were two. One was uh, Debbie Morgan as Harmony. Uh, they tried to transform the character of Harmony, Yolanda, into uh, a woman trying to fix her life. Uh, Devon's mother, uh, they tried to create a romance with her and Neil, they tried to make her kind of a street-savvy character, but she was still living in the Chancellor Mansion out of the goodness of Catherine's heart. It never worked. It was a character that went nowhere. uh Morgan is a wonderful actress, but that character was just a flop. And the other one, which we only kind of saw the resolution of it in 2012, was Diane. They brought in two-time Emmy winner, Mara West, a wonderful actress from As the World Turned, and she was a troublemaker for a few months, and the next thing you know, she was killed, and everybody seemed to want to kill her, and, you know, it was like a waste of character. It was a waste of time. I thought the most successful transplant was Jeannie Francis as Genevieve. But uh, when they made the transition to the new head writer and the new executive producer, Jeannie got her walking papers. So that was the end of that one.
2: Are there, when we look at things, of course everything is subjective. Were there any couples that you thought were just a disaster in 2012?
4: Ooh, a disaster. Uh, To be honest with you, I think Lily and Kane are the boringest couple
2: on the show.
4: (laughs) They are so boring, and now that they have them both working as you go, I have no idea who's taking care of the dog, I have no idea who's taking care of the twins, uh, it's like they dropped their entire family home life and have them doing nothing but hanging out in the office, and they're just dull. Uh, now Chelsea and Adam were an interesting pair, and I think they could have become a much better couple than they're being played as right now, because... They both have such shady backgrounds that I thought they could be like partners in crime, where he would have somebody who would help him with his kind of scheming. But uh, Chelsea's turned into this whining, clinging uh, wife. And a lot of people, you know, it's funny, some people criticize me because I I said that she's not handling... uh, Uh, Adam's obsession with Sharon very well but I really don't think she's handling it very well Uh, instead of being threatened by it she should you know it would be like a husband who's like madly obsessed with a football team instead of hating the football team you know like the football team learn about the football team get involved with the football team get get on your get on your husband's side instead she's just pushing him away
2: I don't think I've ever heard a soap character compared to a football team before, but I'm sure there's a, there's a joke in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> we'll let it go at that. So looking forward to 2013, what are some of the things that you're hoping for that, that Santa, the New Year's baby, whoever it is, some of the things that will be brought to Genoa City in 2013 to make it a great year?
4: Well, I would love to see the character of Kevin and uh, g- get some success. I mean, this poor schlub, he can't catch a break. I mean, everybody else is getting, you know, getting jobs at Chabot and Chancellor and Newman Enterprises. And he, he's been working at Crimson Lights for all this time. And apparently that coffee shop, even though everybody goes to it three four times a day, it never makes a buck. This poor guy can't catch a break. He was kidnapped by Angelina. He was on the run. He—I mean—he just—he—he he got ripped off by Adam and Tucker with tag and grab. This guy, I—my Christmas gift to him would be a, a positive storyline where he's a success, and maybe where Chloe develops some respect for him.
2: Well, we can only hope that 2013 is a good year for Kevin and certainly all of the characters in Genoa City. And we also want to make sure that it's a great year for everyone involved in SoapCentral.com. And, Allison, we wish you nothing but the best as the new year rolls around. And hopefully you'll be here again for our look back at the year 2013.
4: Absolutely. You can count on it.
2: That is going to bring us to the end of our special two-part look back at the best and worst of 2012. If you've missed any of the best or worst moments, you can check SoapCentral.com radio for both episodes. You can listen to them at your leisure. You can download them. You can stream them. You can share them with your friends. Don't forget, next week, it is a look back at 2012 on Soap Central Live. Our most outrageous moments, our best guests, my bloopers, things you've never heard before. I hope that you'll join us then, and I'm wishing you a very safe, happy, healthy, and prosperous 2013. We'll see you back here next week. Have a great New Year, everybody.
1: Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps, Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.